Hey, I want to start this morning by telling you this. In case you didn't know it, we're in a war. We're in a war. I'm not talking about war on terrorism or the war in Ukraine. Those are wars that are going on. I'm talking about a, a spiritual war. I'm talking about a cultural war. I'm talking about an all-out assault on family. Today's children, I, I believe, are being attacked like no other generation in history. What's different? This is the first generation in American history that has been saturated with anti-Christian messages. Everywhere you look, everywhere you turn. In my lifetime, America has moved from being a nation based on Christian principles to being a post-Christian culture. So let me tell you, when I went to school, when I went to elementary school, I went to public school. So when I went to public elementary school, not only did we say the Pledge of Allegiance, Every day they read the Bible and prayed in class, in a public school. Happened for many years in my lifetime. Now we're in this place where we are post-Christian. That means that our nation has lost the primacy of the Christian worldview and has replaced it with a secular worldview. Secular meaning worldly, disconnected from faith, disconnected from religion. Everything is geared towards disconnecting you from your faith. There are so many people now, even Christians that have been Christians for years, going through what they're calling deconstructing their faith. And there are, there are children who are just leaving churches and, 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 and God is working, the enemy is working hard to try to draw them away from the Lord. And, and we are quickly moving from a, a post-Christian culture to an anti-Christian culture. Listen to me. Jesus talked about this in the end times. He talks about how we will be hated. He said, they hate me, they're going to hate you. Don't be surprised by it. He said, even families will turn on each other. Even children will rebel and turn on their parents. And in and, and, and this anti-Christian culture, Christianity will not be tolerated. In fact, Christians will be hated. And we will be considered outdated, irrelevant, hateful, mean, because of our biblical stands. Taking a stand for God and against any sin will be seen as hateful and mean. There are some cultures, there are some, some, some countries where a pastor cannot stand up and even read from the Bible where it would say that homosexuality is a sin. That would be considered hate speech. When it's actually a loving God crying out to his children saying, come to me and, 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 I, and I will make you who I created you to be. But, but the God of this world is relentlessly, listen to me, relentlessly using the ways of this world to disciple children in the deceptions of the world. The world is discipling children every single day. Anti-Christian, unbiblical messages, TV, internet, Social media, music, school, friends, all these things working together to draw. It's all working to draw your kids away from the Lord and away from their faith. And the result has been is very sad and scary. Now, I'm going to have good news for you today, okay? I'm, I'm just starting out with reality. My parents' generation, that World War II generation, was 65% Christian. 
my generation, baby boomer, boomers, 35%. My children's generation, Generation X, more like 16%. But these current younger generations coming up are on track to be only 4% Christian. And that younger generation, I've shown you the stats up here recently more than once, they have the highest rate of depression, anxiety, suicide, hopelessness, identity issues. They are struggling every which way you turn. They are under attack. And if, we don't, if we're not aware of it, if we don't change what we're currently de- doing, we could lose many of them. But I want to give you an encouraging word today. In spite of all this, in spite of all that's going on around you, when, when parents are godly examples and when they are engaged with their children and, de- and when they are dependent on the power of the Lord, They are the greatest force in their children's life. The greatest force for good in their children's life. I want you to get that. Even with all this going on, you, parent, you are the greatest force in your child's life. And you have not only that encouraging word, but an encouraging promise from Proverbs 22, 6. Train up a child in the way he should go, and when he's old, he will not depart from it. Training a child is talking about discipline, discipline, discipling our children. So I'm preaching a message today entitled, Discipleship Begins at Home. What does it mean to train a child in the way they should go? I know it means to teach people, teach children the way they should live, what's right, what's wrong, what's moral, what's immoral. I agree with that. We've got to teach morals, values, principles that guide our children We've got to tell our children, no, that this is right, this is wrong. I don't care what your teacher said. I don't care what your friend said. I don't care what anybody else said. Here's what God said. And as for me, as for me and my house, we will serve the Lord. We will believe his word and we will live according to it. They need those values. They need that stability of that right and wrong. Don't let your kid out there just trying to figure it out on their own because I'm telling you, they're not figuring it out on their own. The enemy is working, I'm telling you, 24-7 to disciple them in his ways and in the ways of the world. But also, training a child in the way they should go means we should train them according to their individual personality, temperament, or gift. I like how the Amplified Version translates Proverbs 22.6. Listen, train up a child in the way he should go in keeping with his individual gifts, talents, or abilities, and when he's old, he will not depart from it. Parents make a big mistake when when they think they can raise each child exactly the same. Yes, we teach them the same truth. Yes, we teach them the same morals. Yes, we teach them the same values. But they are each different, and we teach them differently. And they respond to different discipline. So don't ask a child, why aren't you more like your brother? Please, please. Why aren't you like your sister? Because the answer is God made us all different. Psalm 139, 13, you created my inmost being. You knit me together in my mother's womb. Before I was ever born, God knew me. God called me. God worked on me and created me. And God shaped me. And God shaped us in a way we should go. He gave them gifts and abilities and talents and personality. And you've got to know them so that you can disciple them according to their God-given destiny. By the way, One of the obstacles that can get in the way of us discipling our own children is us is our own desires for them. Let me tell you what I mean. 
You should raise your child in the way they should go. And that's the way God wants them to go. And that's not necessarily the way you want them to go. Yes, you want them to go God's way. But I'm saying you may have an idea of what that means. And many children feel pressure to follow a, a, a parent's footsteps. They, they've got to be in the military because their father and their grandfather and their great-grandfather was in the military. They, they've, they've got to be a teacher because their mother was a teacher. They take over the family business. They pastor their father's church. That's not necessarily the way they should go. I think back to our children growing up and uh, Dev and I are both big on education and we our children's education, we took very seriously. We homeschooled them for many years. You guys remember those painful years. <laughs> but we all made it through. And we modeled education. We got college degrees, and we expected them to go to college. But, but neither one of them had the slightest desire to go to college. And at first we were like, Disappointed because we had read all these statistics, and the statistics are true. There's a, that the more education you have, the more money you can make in life. So we thought, well, without an education, our children, they're, they're not going to amount too much. Guess what? We were wrong. They are both remark, remarkably successful. They both own their own businesses. They both own, make way more money than we do. Uh, they're highly successful. And, and we learned that the way we think our children go should go is not always the way that they, they should go. And we learned that just because they do something differently does not mean they are doomed to failure. I want to help some parents out today who, who are thinking, man, my kid took a wrong turn and, and they're not going to get there. No, God's going to get them where he wants them to go. Don't force them into a mold that does not fit them. You might be the obstacle then that is holding them back trying to help you today. Now, we're teaching on discipleship. We've been doing a whole series on discipleship, on the command of Christ to make disciples of all the nations. And by the way, even if you're not a parent or you're past those years of, of having small kids, you still have grown kids or you have grandkids or, or these principles I'm teaching today really work in, in discipleship in general as, as we are kind of like spiritual parents to other people in the faith. So Jesus gave us this command to go into all the nations, but he gave a strategy to his disciples before he ascended to heaven in Acts 1.8. He said, you'll receive power when the Holy Spirit comes upon you and you'll be my witnesses in Jerusalem. Jerusalem and all Judea and Samaria and to the ends of the earth. He didn't say start with the ends of the earth. In fact, the Bible says a fool's eyes are always on the ends of the earth. It's always somewhere out there, never right here. But Jesus is saying, in order for us to make disciples of all nations, we've got to start at home. Jerusalem was their hometown. He's saying, you've got to start at home. Before you can disciple the nations, you've got to disciple your home. Before you can disciple anyone else, you've got to disciple your own children. Now listen closely, parents. Parents, not the church, are primarily responsible for discipling their children. The church has a vital role. But we only have your child a couple hours a month probably. The rest of, the, uh, of that opportunity, the rest of that time is, is yours. And God made this so abundantly clear years ago in Deuteronomy 6.5. God gave what Jesus called was the greatest commandment, which is love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your strength. That's the greatest command. 
Then immediately following that, the very next verse, verses, verses 6 and 7, here's what they say. After saying, love the God, your, your Lord, with all your heart, soul, mind, and strength, these commandments I give you today are to be upon your hearts first. Then teach them diligently to your children. Let me just say, if it's not in your heart first, you're never going to transfer it to your children. It's got to be on your heart first. Then teach it diligently to your, to your children. Listen, talk about them, the commands of God, the ways of God, loving God, the goodness of God, the mercy of God, the grace of God, the saving power of God. Talk about them wherever you are, sitting at home or walking in the street, talking to them from the time you get up in the morning to when you go to bed at night. God is saying several things to us here. First, loving God is our first priority. Second, our second priority is to teach our children to love God. So we've got to love God, and then we've got to teach our children to love God. And thirdly, God says that, that discipling children is a 24-7 responsibility, 24 hours a day, seven days a week, morning till night, from the time you get up to the time you go to bed, when you're driving in your car, when you're at home, whatever you're doing, there are always opportunities to disciple your children. That job never stops. Discipleship begins at home. Parents, I want you to listen closely. You first got to get serious about being a disciple before you can disciple your children. You need, you need all the help you can get to disciple your children. You need help from family. You need help from friends. You need help from the church. You need help from the Lord. You need to be discipled in the ways of God and, and in how to parent and how to, how to disciple your children. Now listen, there's many ways we help you, but we have purchased a tool. As a church, we purchased it. It's your tithes and offerings at work. We purchased a tool called Right Now Media. It's like the Netflix of Bible study. And it has video Bible studies from, for, on every book of the Bible, and almost any topic you can think of, you can do a search, and it'll, have, it'll bring up topics. And it has amazing uh, children. It's got thousands of children's shows that are Bible-based. It's got a lot of youth, uh, young adult material. And I, I, I did a search. I did a search for family can you go? Yeah, I did a search for family. I just There's a search up bar up there. I put in family. You're only seeing two options right here. But you can filter it by a series for kids. You can number of sessions, a length of the session. But here's five parenting essentials. Uh, parenting. There's a zillion parenting. In fact, I, I would mention one that I would encourage you to, to watch. It's called Intentional Parenting. This would help you. It's only... All those videos, there's six or seven of them, are only seven or ten minutes long. They're very, very good, very, very well done. It's a good place to start. I also search family devotions. You're wondering, how do you do devotions as a family? Some people don't know. What do I do? Well, I looked up family devotions, and I found a series like this, five-minute family devotion on, on Jesus. I think there was like 12 different sessions on who Jesus is. Jesus is the Messiah. Jesus is born, all that Jesus did. There's five minutes for that. And you could just take that as a family, watch that five minutes, talk about it. I'm trying to be, give you very practical help today. Talk about it. What did you learn from this? What did it say to you? Oh, I didn't get anything. Okay, why, let's watch it again. What it, what, uh, this time, look for what, what it did say to you. 
What's God saying to you? What's God saying to us? And then you can pray as a family. It's a way to help you with, with family devotions. This is free. All you got to do is text GRACE to 49775. You can do it right now if you never want to, if you've never done it, as long as you promise not to watch any videos during my sermon. But if you, if you open up your text messages, start a new message, you're sending it to 49775. You just put in the word grace in the, in the message. You'll get back this message saying, thanks for joining. Visit. Click on that little link there, and this will come out. You've been given free access to the biggest video Bible study library in the world. You can do that. It's very easy. And you will have materials that you can, more than you can use in a lifetime. You can sit down with your kids. I'm trying to help you disciple your children today. By the way, by the way, when it comes to family discipleship, husbands and wives has a, have a role in discipling each other. Now, this can get a little touchy. But you have to both be, be willing to get, be in a relationship where you're there to, to help each other, to receive from each other. Listen, we both have strengths and weaknesses in a marriage, both of us. A and your partner usually is strong where you're weak. And they're usually weak where you're strong. And, and we can help each other out, help disciple each other in, in, in these areas. And I'm going to give you a couple of scriptures about couples discipling each other in, in the home. For instance, if our spouse is not walking with God, we have a role in reaching them. 1 Peter 3, 1 through 2 says, Wives, in the same way, be submissive to your husbands, so that if any of them do not believe the word, they may be won over without words by the behavior of their wives when they see the purity and reverence of their lives. Don't be frightened by the word submit. It's not talking about blind obedience. It literally means to, to, uh, stop, to give up trying to control. And by the way, Ephesians 5.21, in the passage about family and marriage, the first verse says, submit to one another out of reverence of God. There is a place for mutual submission, mutually trying to give up control over each other. Practicing mutual respect and submission in marriage. And the point of this First Peter passage is that we cannot control our spouses. I'm smiling at you. You cannot coerce or nag them into the kingdom of God. The Bible says, it's your godly example that will reach them. It's your godly example that will reach them. Even without you saying a word. Sometimes your words get in the way. And it makes me think, if, if you've ever never seen the movie Case for Christ, you ought to watch it by Lee Strobel. Read the book. He was an atheist. He was an atheist. He wrote for Chicago Tribune, I think, and he was a legal uh, uh, reporter. And uh, he was an atheist, and his wife got saved and started going to church. And he was so upset. He was so mad because all of a sudden now, it just to him, it was just incomprehensible that this woman would start believing in God. And he was like, oh, great. Now what's she going to become? What's she going to become? One of those prudish, judgmental Christians. But she just, without a word, became this godly, loving, caring woman. And her, 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 her life ministered to him so much that he went on this search for truth about who Jesus was. And he ultimately turned from an atheist to he's one of the biggest apologists or proponents defending the faith of, in Jesus Christ who is in the world today. It was by his wife's godly example. 
Husbands, that's also you, by your example to your wife. It goes both ways. Ephesians 5, 25 through 26 says, Husbands, love your wives just as Christ loved the church and gave himself up for her to make her holy, washed by the cleansing of God's word. Again, I believe both spouses can do this. We should wash each other with the word. That does not mean beat them up with the Bible or berate them with the word or shame them with the word. I, when I was a younger man, I used to do that with my wife. I have apologized a thousand times, but I would, I would leave her bruised and bleeding with the word. Do you know what I'm talking about? You can do it in a way that is condemning and brings guilt and, and shame on people. But to wash them with the water or the word is a, is a, is a gentle thing that, that speaks the word to them in love and, and prays the word over them. It means to help cleanse their minds of wrong thinking and, and, and of condemnation, of shame. It means to begin to build them up with the truth of God's word. We have a responsibility as parents to, to be disciples and to disciple each other. Only then can we really help our children because if they don't see it in us, we can say it all day long, but if they don't see it in us, it's not going to mean anything to them. We got to make sure we are true disciples and disciple our children. Ephesians 6, 4 says, fathers, do not exasperate your children. Instead, bring them up in the training and instruction of the Lord. Again, this is for mothers too. Neither parent should exasperate their child. We should discipline them in the truths of God's word. What does it mean to exasperate your child? It means, to exasperate means you provoke them to anger to a point that resentment starts growing in their heart. It's not just a little upset, but resentment and bitterness starts growing in their heart. How do we exasperate our children? Well, we exasperate them through words or actions, when we, when we speak carelessly or, or angrily to them, when we are easily angered, when we are unreasonable, when we're unwilling to listen to them, when we fail to keep our word. We say one thing, but, but we do another thing. We promise them this, but we don't come through with it. We, we, we exasperate them when we play favorites with our children. We exasperate them when we're inconsistent. There's so many ways that we can exasperate a child, but instead of doing that, we must raise them according to God's truth through a positive relationship with them. What does that look like? What does it require? Well, first, like all discipleship, it requires intentionality. You must be intentional about discipling your children in the truths of God. Some parents pride themselves about always being open and honest and available for their kids to talk. But they're never proactive in talking to them. Listen, being available is great, but being intentional is better. It's great to be open and available rather than closed and unavailable. But listen, a lot of kids and some teenagers especially don't tend to be all that open about talking to you. For you to disciple them, you've got to be intentional about finding out a way with each child, and it's different with each child. One child comes home from school, and you say, how did things go? And they tell you, well, in first period, we did this, and second period, Sally did that, and in third period, I did this, and in fourth, then I had lunch, and it was horrible, and then we went to gym, and, and, and I fell down and scraped my... I'm they're going to tell you every little detail. You ask the other one, how, how, why does school go today? Good. It's all right. What'd you learn? Nothing. Anything happened? Nope. And that's it. Those are a challenge. And you've got to somehow intentionally figure out how to draw that child out. But it's worth the effort. You've got to be intentional. Second, second listen, sorry, but it's going to take a sacrifice of time. 
We have a plague in America called busyness. Busyness, busy, busy, busy. Sometimes parents are too busy for their children, but sometimes the child is so busy. School, church, sports, doing, 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 that there's never time to disciple anybody. Listen, it, it, it's good if your child wants to play sports, and be in a band, sing in the choir, uh, uh, be a Boy Scout or Girl Scout or whatever they have these days. Uh, you should be involved in those things as a family. But if all you are is a taxi driver, an Uber service, running your child from school to sports to, to scouts to, to band, I mean, just constantly going, 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 uh, you need to rethink your priorities. Your child may not be able to do everything they're asking you to do. Parents, I'm going to teach you a simple word that will help you greatly. Listen close. You ready? Everybody ready? Here's the word. No. I love you, but no. Sorry, but no. Can't do it. Here's the here's amount of things we can do. Pass that. So you get to pick which ones of these... 15 things, you get to pick two of them, not all of them, because we've got to have some time as a family. We've got to have some time. Listen, your main job is to raise your child in the faith. That's your main job. Yes, we want them to be productive. Yes, we want them to be good at sports. Yes, we want them to get an education. Yes, we want them to earn a decent living. But what if they gain the whole world and lose their own soul? We've got to intentionally raise them in the faith. 3 John 4 says, I have no greater joy than to hear that my children are walking in the truth. That's our goal as as parents, children that know God, love God, and walk in the truths of God. That's got to be our priority. And you've got to say no to some lesser things. And everything is lesser than that. Are you making the most of your time with your kids? Life is a vapor, the Bible says. Time is precious. It's here and then it's gone. And you've got to make some sacrificial efforts and some sacrifices for your children to spend some time together. Listen to this. The American Academy of Pediatrics reports that by the time an American child is six years old, they've already spent more time watching TV than they will spend talking to their dad in their entire lifetime. Now, this this is from several years back. Now, that, now, now, if we're going to include tablets, phones, everything else, you know what? You, you may need to have a device-free dinner table. You may need to tell your child, sorry, put that phone down. We're having dinner as a family and we're going to talk. And they may sit there in silence at first, and, and you may need to take that phone away for a while until so they, so they learn how to talk to you. But we've got to figure out a way to have some time together as a a, a family and and to talk to them. Find things that we like to do together. Find find fun things for them. Enter into their world. Listen, if you're going to relate to your children, you've got to know a couple things. You've got to know their their love language and you've got to enter into their world. Are you all familiar with the love language? I've taught on it years ago. Five love languages. Dr. Gary Chapman wrote a book on that. He wrote a whole series of books on those. uh, and, And there's one for couples, one for love language of children, the love languages of teenagers. There's five basic love languages like time, gifts, the sacrifice, things like that. Uh, um, and if you're doing, listen, if you're doing your best to love your spouse or a family member, if you're doing your best to love a child and they don't feel loved, chances are you're not speaking their language. 
you're not speaking their love language. For instance, if your langu- love language is gifts, we tend to speak the, that language to other people. So f- for you to express my love for you, I'm going to give you gifts. But if your gifts is, your love language is meaningful time, I could give you gifts all day long, and you can still say, I don't feel that you love me. And I'm going to say, I don't love you. Do you realize all the gifts I gave to you recently? And they're like, those gifts don't mean nothing for, for, to me. You're not speaking my language. I need you to spend some time to, with me. I need you to talk with me. I need you to understand me. I need you to speak my language. Uh, listen, I want you to, to, to understand this. You, you need to know this. You've got to know it for your children. And I encourage you to follow up with this. Read the books. If you don't have time to read the books, uh, uh, get a, one you can listen to in the car. If you don't have time to do that, Google Five Love Language and click on the video tab and, and you'll find a, 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 a teaching by Dr. Chapman on Five Love Languages. You'll look Google love language for kids. You'll find him teaching that. Love language for teenagers. You'll find him teaching that. But learn your child's love language and learn how to enter their world. That means you're going to have to learn to do some things they like doing, whether you enjoy it or not. I think with my kids, you know, they had very different interests. My son was outdoors and loved to hunt and and fish still does to this day. Just came home from fishing this weekend, and, and that's what he loved to do. So I had to enter into his world. My daughter, she, she loved to play games, and, and, and we collected things together, like we collected stamps. And, and so if we went on a, 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 a trip, with a, a camping trip as a family, I'd fish with my son, and I'd play Connect Four with my daughter. We'd have a Connect Four a championship, and she beat me probably about the age of five uh, bad and kept beating me worse. But, but that was good. I mean, we spent time together. Invest some time to, with in your children. Spend time together. That's how you get influence with them. Be intentional with it. And then thirdly, pray. Pray for your spouse, pray for your kids, and pray with them. What better way to teach them to pray than just to pray with them? Pray at the dinner table. Have one of the child's lead prayer. I just teach it. How do I, I don't know what to pray. Lord, I thank you for this food. I, they start right there. Thank you for my family. Thank you for this food. Amen. And just teach them to do it. Pray before they go to school. Pray when they get home. Pray when they go to bed. Pray before church. Pray before you go out on, on a trip. Pray every time we pull out of the driveway on the trip. I pray, Lord, watch over our stuff. Watch over our house. Watch over everything and keep us safe. We plead the blood of Jesus. Pray over everything. That's how you pray without ceasing. It doesn't have to be a, a long prayer. It could be a two-minute prayer. Fourth, have a, a Bible devotion as a family where you, where you I, I gave you a way to do it already on video, or you could just take the Bible, go read through the book of John or a New Testament book or Proverbs, and just read a few verses and, and talk about what it means. You don't have to do an exegetical study of the word holy in Leviticus. Just read uh, uh, something easy that's age-appropriate. and then What does that say to you? What does that say about God? What does that say about you? And, and then finally, worship together. Study the Bible. Pray together, but worship. Sing some songs. Have a child write a poem to God uh, 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 if they're into that. Uh, talk about giving as a family to missions or angel tree, but worship together as a family. And listen, parents, I want to give you some relief today as I close. You don't have to be perfect. There are no perfect parents. We've all blown it. I've blown it. There's no perfect parents. Sometimes we do it right. Sometimes we don't. But even so, our sons and daughters will know if we really love them. And if they know we love them, love covers a multitude of sins. And they don't expect us to be perfect. Now listen, that's not an excuse to be a bad, lazy, selfish parent. 
Well, I'm not perfect. Some people use that just to not do anything. We need to get it right more than we get it wrong. But I want to encourage you, you don't have to be perfect to be a great parent. Just fight for your family, love your family, spend time with your family, be intentional about praying with them, teaching them the Word of God. Listen, you have what it takes to disciple your children. Parents, you have the Spirit of God, you have the Word of God, you have the family of God, you have these all these amazing resources today that we talked about. And listen, I'm closing with this, since it's Father's Day, men, I want to say something to you especially. Your family needs need you, man of God. They need you to be a man of faith. They need you to be a man of the word. They need you to speak the word of God to them. They need you to lay hands on them when they're sick and pray for their healing. They need you to do spiritual warfare on their behalf. They need to see you standing in faith when times are tough. They need to see that going to church is a priority to you. They need to see you worship God with abandonment, not holding back because of embarrassment. They need to see you tithing and giving and sowing seed. They need to see you praying when they have a need. They need to live, see you living your faith out every day of your life. Listen, I'm telling you, we can't do this in our own strength. To disciple our children takes the power of God. We need God training us so that we can train our children. We need God leading us so we can lead our families. We need God discipling us so we can disciple them. Human effort is not enough to win this battle. That's why Psalm 127 says, Unless the Lord builds the house, the builders labor in vain. Unless the Lord watches over the city, the watchmen stand guard in vain. Yes, fa- parents have a, a, a responsibility to build their families, but their first responsibility is to be sure that God is building their family and they are building God's way. Yes, we have the responsibility to watch over our children, but our first responsibility is to be sure that God God is watching over our children. Without that, all that we do is in vain. I don't want what I do to be in vain. I want to see the blessing of God, the power of God. Listen, you've got faith in God, and that faith will, will tap you into the power of God you, and the wisdom of God and, and the blessing of God and the presence of God. You need the presence and power of God in your family. That enables us to disciple our children for the glory of God because discipleship begins in the home In Jesus' name, amen. So what's God saying to you? What's God saying to you? Go ahead and stand. What's God saying to you as our prayer team comes down? What's God saying to you? For you to do this, you've got to first become a a disciple, a follower of Christ, a believer in our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ, repenting of your sins and placing your faith in him and his finished work on the cross. Then if you're a believer, you've got to make that choice to be a disciple, to follow him. And you've got to make a choice to, to take seriously his command to disciple our own children, our own families. They're God's gifts. The Bible says children are a gift from God. He's entrusted them to you. We are stewards God's given us, not just given us children, but he's given us a manual in his word of the way to raise them in the ways of God. So if you need to give your heart to Jesus, we want to pray with you. If you need the power of the Holy Spirit in your life, we want to pray with you to be filled with the Spirit. If you've got an issue you know in your own life that, hey, this is hindering me with my family, we want to pray with you. If you want to pray for your children, if you want to pray for somebody else, or if you need need to pray for healing or a job or or, 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 or some other area of your life or pray for somebody else 
we're here to pray with you to see the hand of God move in your life. Thanks so much for being here today. Dads, I love you. Moms, I love you too, but this is dad, their day. Their day. Love you so much. Appreciate you. Appreciate the men of this house and their faithfulness to God. Love you so much and all that you do. Hope you guys have a great week. We're going to sing one more song and we'll be dismissed. Don't forget, Vacation Bible School this week. Get your kids signed up.